0: Thanks for tuning in to the Beyond Normal podcast, where we highlight minority business owners and founders, and we use this platform to shed light on their entrepreneur journey. Welcome, everybody to another episode of the beyond normal podcast again we got a a great amazing guest she's actually a friend of a friend of the show so next up today we actually have orion brown she is the founder of uh, black travel box she's doing some amazing things when it comes to the black travel experience and just thinking about the melanated skin and hair right when it when it comes to us going different places and being in different parts of the world how's it going
1: good good can you hear me okay
0: Yes, we hear you loud and clear.
1: Okay, awesome. Um, So, you know, we're in the middle of COVID with all of these digital things and sometimes stuff goes in and out. So definitely kick me if I freeze, but I'm really excited to be here. This is going to be fun.
0: Definitely, definitely. And I know what you mean by freezing. Uh, We all have been there in some form or fashion during uh, the pandemic where the screen freezes and then it's like, is it my Wi-Fi? Is it? (laughs) Yeah, you get caught in that, that weird pose.
1: It's never uh, a flattering pose. You're never in the middle of a word that makes you look like blue or anything. It's always like, you yeah. know,
0: and just. Or you're like, it looks like you're blowing your nose or doing something crazy. So definitely, definitely. Uh, well, again, <laughs> you know, I, I appreciate you being on for an episode. Um, you had an amazing story. So I wanted to make sure um, I have you on and, and, and allow you to share your, um, your story with the audience. Um, so, you know, give folks a little bit of background. Before Black Travel Box, right, tell them a little bit around Orion, uh, Orion Brown, right, leading up to you being the founder of the Black Travel Box. What was going on before then?
1: Oh, my gosh. I So I've had nine lives. Um, I've definitely worked in a number of different places. Um, not to go too far back, but I, I like to say that I was pre-med since, like, the age of four, I was like focused, you know. I was like, I was gonna be one of the Huxtables and go all the way. And then I got into college, and I was like, this is a long time being ramen. I don't know if we're gonna. Do that. <laughs> um, and there were other things to consider, and I really had to take uh, stock about my third year of college and say, what is it? What do I need to do to go survive in this world? And then, what do I want to do? And so I started looking for management training programs and trying to find a way into the corporate space um, because the most exposure I had, I grew up on the South side of Chicago. I've moved around a bit, but that's that's my hometown. Um, most exposure I had to corporate spaces was like, I knew the right building to go into downtown when you had to go to the bathroom. Like, don't go to the McDonald's. Don't, don't even mess with the McDonald's. You find the nice building that has the bathrooms on this side of security. So you can go and they got the good hand soap and that's the whole thing. But that was really all I knew um, because I had been a science nerd up until that point. And um, so I went into a management training program with JP Morgan and kind of learned the basics of being in the world as an adult and TPS reports and all of those types of things um, and did internal consulting and project management for them, stayed on and did um, some in-house project management work and then finally got to a place where I felt like all right, now I can choose what I want. And now that I've done what I have to, to you know, build a reputation, to learn, um, to get that experience under my belt, now I wanna choose what I do next and, and have a, a perspective on it. And so I went back to school, got an MBA um, at Duke and um, popped back out and went into brand management and brand, uh, brand strategy. And so within the food industry, Baby, this chin, earn this yeah. chin. Um, <laughs> you, When you're in the food industry, I was just telling people about this the other day. I worked for Kraft Foods for a number of years. And you get the phone call that's like, we're working on our fall listing, our fall menu. Um, and so we have about 15 or 20 desserts here that you need to taste and approve. <laughs> yeah, you, the little voice in your head is like, ooh. Well, yeah. you're like, okay, well, it's good I got good in health insurance because it's about to go down. It's gonna be jelly roll logs and cakes and everything. Um, and so in that space I got to really learn how to be strategic, how to own a business and do it entrepreneurially, right? Because entrepreneurship is outside in the world. Entrepreneurship is within, you know, an umbrella of uh, you know, the corporate I don't say money bags but it kind of is right like you get that corporate covering and so i really learned entrepreneurship there um that has taken me into other places and we all have had those career moments where we've made choices i've been laid off twice i ain't ashamed to say it because baby severance is a beautiful thing um but just understanding like as you start to pivot your career and you're balancing things like your personal life where you want to live financially what looks what looks like what um, and so I bounced around a little bit, got into tech, started to do um, consulting for Fortune 100 clients and really helping them understand their consumers. And about the same time was when I was like, you know, I really miss I missed the jelly rolls, but I also miss the thing having that tangible thing on the shelf. And so that's where I started to think about maybe I should create something of my own. And so that was sort of the impetus of Black Travel Box.
0: I love it. And, and you mentioned something there, the idea around uh creating uh you know, physical products, we're in such like a digital focus age, mm-hmm. right? Where everything's just like, it's on your phone, right? It, it, there's nothing, there's not supposed to be anything that's like physical that you can touch. Like we were, we're yeah. supposed to somehow like eat in our heads or something like that. And like, you matrix. know, taking all the movies, yeah, like the matrix, right? All the movies that we saw. So it's very interesting for you having that background you still saw the value, right? And having a physical, tangible product. And and that's something that I am. I think about when we were growing up, right? You think about like the FUBUs of the world, just like having something that was for us, by us, some of these products. It it still is a moneymaker, even though so much of the world is still being pushed to, you know, that digit that digital space.
1: Well, I think at the end of the day, consumerism isn't going anywhere, right? And mm-hmm you know, if you just think about, if you just take a quick inventory of how many items are on your body right now, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you bought all of them. Um, when you take a look around, if you're sitting in your living room, how many, there's things all around you. Yes, you're online all the time, but even the way you get online is a physical product. And so, you know, as as things evolve and and digital marketing and digital advertising makes things and and technology makes things easier and whatnot at the end of the day the way we shop changes but what we shop for really kind of doesn't so like you said there's no digital version of Mm -hmm. eating dinner like you still got to eat something now the way that dinner came about whether or not it was organic all of those other things that's that's separate um but you you can't eat ironically a bite you can't eat a bite
0: (laughs) exactly And like you, like you you touched on it, like the biggest companies in the world, they do have a digital focus. Uh, We all know who we have been uh, purchasing from during COVID and their stock prices are through the roof. And so to your point, as I look around my house, I bought a lot of stuff during COVID um, that I'm actually surprised that I bought. I'm not sure why I bought it three or four months down the road right now, but I did
1: (laughs) nesting that I
0: needed to buy it.
1: You're nesting. I mean, so many people have been nesting because they sit down. You're you're you pay for what you spend your time with, right? And so you're like, if you like to drive, if you're if you drive your car back and forth to work an hour or two every day, then you're gonna invest in like a good sound system. You're gonna invest mm-hmm. in the upkeep of the car. You're gonna invest in those little covers for the for the steering wheel if you live somewhere cold. People sitting at home, they're like, I need a new rug. I'm gonna leave some curtains. You know, it's just Something to play with while I'm in here, you know, that's a good room space for an exercise bike, and then it just goes downhill.
0: (laughs) Got it, got it. Um, During the last year, again, we all have been at home buying things. We may have needed or we may have not needed. Like, what's that? What what was your biggest splurge purchase uh, during during the the last year when we were all in the house during the pandemic?
1: Oh, I well, I bought a couch. I bought this couch actually. But that was really more out of necessity. Um, But I didn't really splurge too much because I was just more, less focused on nesting and more focused on building the business and keeping the business afloat. So, you know, Black Travel Box is for travel and out of home use, it's personal care for out of home use. And so, wasn't nobody leaving their house. (laughs) So, really, my splurge was spending time on, um, you know, business, which sounds really dorky and probably kind of sad, but it's true. Um, I think the only other thing that I would say was sort of a splurge was um, a lot more self-care stuff. So because Mm -hmm. I was spending so much time inside and so much time just kind of working, I wanted Mm -hmm. to find things that could help just kind of me wind down. So it was the bath salts and the candles and wine, actual wine (laughs) to wind down with um you know and and normally i would cut hbo off you know like it's like oh it's the end of insecure okay we good we don't need hbo anymore but now we're like no we might keep that just (laughs) you know keep that hbo max subscription
0: (laughs) i get it i get it and we actually got somebody who chimed in uh jordan crump yep uh lol a lot of pointless shopping by everybody more time at home means more time to think about stuff to buy Exactly. Mm-hmm. We, we've all been uh, prey to that. Uh, hopefully, I think uh, w- what you just said, Orion, though, is around uh, putting our money, putting our resources into building something. Uh, and like you mentioned, you mentioned self-care. Uh, you mentioned the business. I definitely want to make sure that we pivot. You you make amazing segues. This is an easy segue. But essentially, <laughs> you know, uh, why create the black travel box right now as we're coming out of this pandemic? Like what was the, what was the thought process behind that?
1: Well, so Black Travel Box actually came about just before the pandemic, which is, you know, so it's always funny when you look at things in retrospect, you go, you, you can laugh at it. But at the time I was like, oh Lord, how, how are we get a whole pandemic and nobody's traveling? Um, but you, I really, I, 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 launched Black Travel Box as a company, not necessarily as a brand and market, but, um, in 2017. And that came out of, a trip that I took with my partner at the time. We went to Japan and you know we fly into Tokyo and it's like springtime and the weather is beautiful and it's sort of like DC in the spring. So you've got cherry blossoms. It's really mild, it's really nice. And then we decided to hop over to Okinawa and I was like, okay, cool. But you see all this right here, right? Okinawa is basically a 30 minute flight but it's light years away. I mean, it's North Carolina in the middle of August. Hot, hot and muggy. And I got there and I was just like, I can't believe this because, you know, they got me on those little bottles, right? Especially if you're taking those smaller flights, those puddle jumper flights, you can't bring a bunch of stuff. And so I'm traveling light. I got my emergency. Like I got my one wash. I did my did my wash and go did my set before I left. I got one more that I can do while I'm on the trip, and then it'll take me all the way home. And that was not the case. And I was like, my hair, my hair was sweaty, my skin was sweaty, my scalp, everything. And I was just like, this is some bull. Where am I going to find products that I can use in Japan? Um, and and I also really realized that that is not. I mean, Japan is you know um, this really far off sort of concept, but it's the same issue whether you're in Toledo, Ohio, or Toledo, Spain. Like it's still hard to find products that are made um, for people of color and people with textured hair and people with melanated skin. And so that was really where the, the idea was born. And then I just started to develop from there.
0: Uh, you touched on a lot there, um, like that pain point that you saw, um, you know, like you said, you were all the way in Japan, but then you realized hey, this is something, you know, you could be in, like you said, Toledo, you could be here in the, in the States, right, in certain places you go that hair, right? That hair is something, uh, when it comes to, you know, black culture is something that's important. Right. And so you saw that pain point and that actually led me to, um, next. you're perfect with these segues, but I actually, uh, I went on your site and then there were a couple, I know the, your, uh, the IG is popping, right. Um, in terms of your, your IG, it looks amazing. But one of the things that popped up for me, one of the first uh, posts that I saw was that travel is my self care. Right. And so when it, when I think about like that black travel experience now, it seems like a lot of people are getting their passports. A lot of us are traveling. So you should be able to travel somewhere and then kind of be able to take care of your hair, take care of your skin and not have to worry about that, because that could be something that just derails you completely. Right. It just takes you out of the mindset. Oh, I'm not going there because my hair, my skin won't be right. Right.
1: Or if nothing else, you, you're you're distracted, right? So if I when I really sat down and said, okay, is this actually a problem, or am am I just pissed this one time, right? Is it just this one trip? And when I really sat down and thought about it, there were so many trips where I'm doing stuff like trying to hop a cab from wherever I am to find a, a drugstore to see if the drugstore carries something that I can maybe use, or you know, dealing with the stuff at the hotel and having messed up results. Um, And then just having the the general just uh, perturbment of just knowing, like, I got to if I want to feel and look my best the way that I normally do at home, I'm going to have to bring all my stuff with me. And I'm not even high maintenance. (laughs) I'm medium maintenance. I'm not even high maintenance. And so. Yeah, that's one of those things that it's. as I started to talk to consumers, too, and do that that consumer insight work and talk to more people, I'm hearing women, travel hacks that I had never heard of before. Oh, we go to the grocery store and get grapeseed oil or get coconut oil. And I'm like, that's dope. But also, you're a whole human being. (laughs) You shouldn't be hacking together ingredients just to have products that. You know, hair and skincare products, it, it's different if you're roughing it. You're out in the bush somewhere, that's different. But um, if you're in a, a civilized location, there should be products that actually recognize the fact that people of color exist. And so um, I really wanted to go after that. And then also just kind of the, the double standard that we see within travel, usually if you see any people of color in any travel ads, they're not the traveler. They're the flight attendant or the bartender or whatever. And so we spend a ton of money, 100 I want to say $9 billion in 2019 on travel, on, on travel domestic and international. And so there's this massive black travel movement and we're not being seen there too. So it's like beauty and travel, both of them are missing out on an opportunity with us.
0: And that black that black uh, spending power, like that, is a real thing. Like you being able to quantify those numbers, um, we spend a lot of money on looking good. <laughs> we I, spend I, I black
1: women in particular spend nine times every other ethnic group on beauty and personal care. Nine x.
0: Wow. Okay, I thought I was spending a lot with my haircut, but I don't think so.
1: Y'all got it easy. Guys have it easy, but you but you're starting it. To- the, the market is starting to turn and they're start you're starting to see brands like Young King Hair Care and, and others mm-hmm. that are looking at the masculine side of beauty, where beauty, you know, we use it as a as a feminine term, but I mean beauty personal care, whatever you want to call it, grooming, that's that's y'all got to start spending some money. You get, <laughs> you're about to go in your pockets. A lot of you already are.
0: <laughs> yeah, I believe it. Um you've done a great job of um, you know, um being on different media outlets, like the social media, I say, IG is popping, like you, you, you figured out a way to make sure um, you can get the message out around this product. I'm curious to know, like, as you're learning, as you've been learning about your business, like, like what was something that you learned throughout the entire process that you really would have liked to know? Like when you first started, that would have just set you up, you know, just to be a little bit further than you are now, but what's that one thing? Like, man, I wish I would have known this from day one.
1: Ooh, that's a good question. I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to answer it, but also not going to answer it in the sense that the thing that's most valuable is the experience. And you can't, like, it's like when you're a teenager and people try to tell you about life and you're like, you don't know me, I'm grown. And then the, you get grown and then you're like, oh, they were, they were right. Yeah, um, I think the process, especially coming from the corporate space, the process of becoming an entrepreneur and understanding what that means um, from a day to day basis and understanding that you can't work 24 seven and that you have to structure it just the same way you would structure working for the man, as it were. Um, and, and, and what that actually means in terms of risk tolerance and all that you can't really like people can tell you, but you don't know until you experience it. But that being said, something that I actually learned um, in this process is also to go with my gut, Um, because a lot of a lot of the process of me learning to be an entrepreneur, I I came in very much open and saying, you know, I want to learn. And I know there's a lot for me to learn and I don't know this space, Um, but I underestimated what I brought to the table. I really did. And so now that, you know, I'm a couple of years in and working on this and and revisiting certain aspects of it and, and, you know, picking up amazing opportunities and things like that. I'm looking back on it and going, I knew that day one. I knew I wanted to do that day one. Why did I second guess myself? Why did I go in circles? Why did I listen to all of this extra chatter? Um. And and not focus in on the fact that there are some core skills that I know I can bring to this. And they're the reason why I thought I could do it in the first place.
0: What do you feel like it would take to wear that entrepreneurial label that some of us want to wear and others just may not know about it?
1: Exactly. So there's a few there's a few pieces in there. Right. So to unpack, I think before you take the leap, it is understanding what the definition of entrepreneurship is and getting away from sort of the pop culture. Uh, entrepreneurship. I'm a tech founder. I I sell a SaaS product. I you know I coded something. I got a billion dollars to 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 build the company and then I sold it for a bajillion. Um, that isn't necessarily entrepreneurship. And we've had entrepreneurship, particularly within the Black community, for generations. Right? It's a generational thing. We've got barbers. We've got corner stores. We've got, I mean, one of my favorite shows, you know, the Jeffersons, they had the cleaners. That was a huge thing that he was a business owner. Business owner and entrepreneurship typically don't get said together because you don't see the dry cleaner on the front of Black Enterprise in general, right? Um, And so I think we have to understand that the definition of being an entrepreneur is someone who is creating a business and building something, even if even if you're licensing a business or if you're doing a franchise, that's still entrepreneurship. You're creating and building something sustainable. And then from there, figuring out, well, what are the different flavors that that comes in? Because there are a lot of people who are entrepreneurs, got day jobs, day jobs. I mean, that's just that's just a nice capital raise. They're like my capital raise is I work nine to five. And then <laughs> I invested in my, my company from five to nine. Um, and so whether it be side hustles, full, uh, you know, full-time, uh, built businesses that you're working in and on, or whether it be ultimately building your wealth through those other channels and then going back and investing, it's all sort of in that sphere of entrepreneurship.
0: Appreciate that. Oh, Ryan, I, I think you hit it. You hit it right on the nail in terms of uh, we got to really define what entrepreneurship is for our community. And in a lot of cases, right, it's your local business owner. Um, it doesn't have to be this tech enabled, you know, um, idea where there's billions of dollars raised. No, like it really starts from the ground up. We think about a lot of times in our communities, if somebody you know, a kid who's as young as, you know, eight years old, they're selling cookies, they're, they're doing different things in their community. That's where it starts. That's where you kind of start to cultivate that. It's not necessarily something that we're just, we're born to be entrepreneurs or not. We just got to figure out what that flavor, like, like you mentioned, like what our version of that is. And um, I think we got all the tools and and, and I appreciate you um, bringing up. It's just the, the way that we position it has got to be changed moving forward. So I, I'm actually excited to see you know, just some of the people in the entertainment space, they're figuring out different ways to like, hey, I can do the same thing that I was doing in music. I can do it over here in products. And now Master P is doing stuff. He's the example that I always think of. He's selling like, you know, Oodles and Noodles. He's selling like different things that I never would have thought 20 years ago I was yep. going to see Master P doing. Right. So, so you hit the nail right right on the head there. And he's selling all kinds of stuff. And we've been doing this for so long. Again, a month like you know Black History Month is an excellent month to, to you know refresh on those things. But in addition to that, we got to figure out how to make every day of the year Black History Month because we got to keep, keep the momentum going all year long.
1: And celebrate and celebrate the the excellence that we bring as a culture. Um, it's it's not about being exclusionary. It's about highlighting the things that we don't see in our mainstream every day. We have reminders of "quote unquote" mainstream pioneers, but it's it's a revisionist history, right? There's a lot that we have contributed, and a lot of other marginalized communities have contributed, and we don't get to see that, and so we have to be our own advocates for it.
0: Couldn't say it any better. So, um, you know, again, a perfect segue, just in terms of you know the conversations that we're having right now in 2021. Uh, whether it's politics, whether it's, you know, social equity, uh, you know, tell me a little bit around how you're feeling around, you know, how we, how we ended 2020, right, um, with all that went on, pandemic, uh, again, the social uh, equity questions, the politics, like, how are you feeling around, you know, maybe the way that we ended 2020? Mm-hmm. How, how do you feel about the momentum, for somebody like you and your business, like how do you feel like that? How the momentum's going to build or not build for you uh, moving forward after those, after a year like we had in 2020?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say at the beginning of 2020, I was given this. I was given 2020 the side eye, like hard. I was like, "Oh, <laughs> this is what we're doing. Oh, you showing out? Okay, I see." But you know, then coming into 2021, though, I think I got to a place of surrender, and I think I hope many of us have done this. Because the amount of control and busyness that we came into 2020 with, and this is the way the world is, and this is what it has to be, and then being stripped of all of that, um, you know, besides what's you know happening in our personal lives. and Because like, all of that stuff is still there, and we, we're still losing people, and stuff is happening, and moving, and all of these things, on top of a full major pandemic, on top of things that, for me in particular, um, affect my ability to launch and scale my business um but coming into 2021 I will say the first 2 weeks of 2021 were like a whole month for me I was like yeah this is like a month or 3 this is out of control y'all are, y'all are still whiling it's 2020 part b um, but giving up is just sort of surrendering to the fact that there's always going to be stuff going on in the world we are we are not <laughs> unfortunately we haven't learned our lessons yet on a number of fronts this isn't the first time we've seen the issues that we have and so Ultimately, it has to be about are you here doing the thing that you're supposed to be doing at this time? Um, And and how does the timing work out? You know, for me, I look at Black Travel Box and I go, it's going to be insane once I have the operational capacity to really scale up the business that I'm working on actively to get in place now. And everybody like lets the cork out of the bottle and starts traveling again. So how these two things, you know, I'm viewing these potentially segueing probably in the summer and the fall is actually excellent timing. Um, You know, had I launched the business, had I gotten, uh, you know, half a million dollars in investment back in 20, 2018, 2019 and hired a whole bunch of people and started doing the work, the momentum would have hit 2020 and then it would have bottomed out. So I don't look at I, while it, 2020 was rough. Don't get me wrong, it was rough. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to redo that. Um, I do look at it as you know, as, whether you call it blessing in disguise or sil- silver lining, because it because I hadn't ramped the business up yet, because I wasn't the overnight success, which most people know. Overnight successes usually take ten years anyway, but um, because that wasn't in place when. COVID hit, it allowed me to take a step back, focus on the fundamentals of the business and really start to build a strong community and understanding around what we mean to the world and why. And there were so many points of clarity during that time that I think it only allows me to show up better for the business and the business to show up better for the consumer in this year.
0: That's an excellent way to... uh look at it, uh, making a lemonade from the lemons, you know, just those phrases around, you know, these situations, like you said, they occur, markets have peaks, and then they have valleys. Um, so from a timing perspective, I think even if you're a small business, um, even the small business owners that I've had conversations with, they're somewhat of a level leveling out of the playing field. Think about, you know, all the corporations, a lot of the things that they're doing, they're doing the same things that somebody who can run their business right from their phone and it, whether it be, you know, just reaching out to your your, your audience directly, getting some of that feedback. Um, and so the leveling of the playing field, I, I'm actually looking forward to that. I think we're actually going to be spending more money. I, 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 I'm scared to say that because my bank account is going to suffer, but at the same time,
1: <laughs> YOLO.
0: <laughs> there's going to be some point where we have some of these things that are behind us and then we get to really like move forward with our own, with our purpose with the things we really want to do. Um, And so it's an exciting time. But to your point, it's like a silver lining thing where it's almost weird to say that making it through a pandemic in the year like we had in 2020, there's some excitement about moving forward, but I'm not even sure how to explain it. But it does feel like uh, moving forward, we're going to see more business owners like yourself. And so 2021, I'm glad to hear you say it's somewhat of a silver silver lining and that you're looking forward to making more money moving forward. That's what, that's what we want to hear.
1: I mean, and I think it's also, you know, people say, well, it is what it is. And, and, and typically we mean that in sort of a, there's nothing I can do. I'm powerless. And to some extent that is true. But I think if you look at it, like my powers in how I react and how I respond Mm
0: -hmm. and how I
1: prepare, as opposed to my powers to change, like the situation, I think that's really, really the key. So if, if we get another wave, if everybody goes back inside, if it gets worse before it gets better, I know that I have the power to pivot. I know that I have the power to engage my audience. I know I have the power to utilize my skill set and my, my value add to stay afloat, to keep the idea afloat, to continue to bring this to uh, the world, which I think Black Travel Box has a, has a place in the world. And even if I don't do it, if somebody else did it, I would be cool with that because I know we need it as a culture. I know we need it. And so for me, it's truly surrendering to I can't change what's happening all over the world. I can only I can only affect what I'm doing and just take it as a serenity prayer. And every every time something happens, it's like, okay, so what's the right thing to do? Do I need to sweat this? Do I need to not sweat this? Do I need to step in and do something? Do I need to take a step back? That's all I can be concerned
0: with. Facts, you dropping gems. That's <laughs> what we're here for, guys, we're here to listen to the gems. Uh I want to take a take it back to Black Travel Box just a little bit. Um around the products that you offer. Um, you know, very concise. That like the I think it, it it's a few products, but can you kind of give us um you know, a quick some of the actual products that you offer for the audience, but then tell me in particular why it was so um was it intentional for you to just pick a handful of products? Or, like you mentioned before, when you think about some of the bigger companies or even in fashion, there's just all these skews of you just throw a bunch of products out there and then you see what sells later on on the back end. It seems (laughs) like people do. Uh, So, could you tell the folks just a little bit around the products that you offer and then uh, why you took the approach? Because I think you did a really smart thing versus some companies tend to do the exact opposite.
1: Yeah, and I, I'll just touch on really quickly the reason why you see companies with all this skew proliferation is because they're making a retail play. So retail naturally incentivizes you to do that. What you do is you create a line of products and you balance out how much space you can afford to pay for and how much space a retailer is going to give you. And then you make as much as you can fill in because, you know, back in the day when people were still in stores all the time, if you have foot traffic on an aisle, you knew product was going to move. Just getting distribution makes product move and makes product turn. In a world where, one, I knew that um, products for African American women and men don't live everywhere. And even where they do, they don't, you know, we still have an ethnic aisle. That's its own issue that I that needs to be (laughs) addressed. But that ethnic aisle can be little, you know, a little four foot set. It could be eight foot set. It it may not even exist in certain stores. Um, It may exist in a chain of stores, but only in certain locations. And so not really having access to distribution, I knew that this brand really needed to be direct to consumer as quickly as possible. And then, you know, going into retail is a nice to have, because if I can send you your product in three to five days, or I can send the product directly to your hotel, that saves you the trip of trying to run around town and figure out what place carries it, anyway. So I, I I really did think about that full experience that we have when we're trying to figure out our stuff, and it's not just about the product not existing; it's also the product not getting distribution. And there's a number of reasons why it, it potentially could or would not, um, you know, based off of regionality, based off of being a new brand, not having the money, all of those things. And so I really focused in on. Um, direct to consumer. And then in the direct to consumer space, there's no need to have all of these SKUs because we're not trying to fill up a shelf with 15 different flavors of something. Right. Um, And so really it's about, is this going to solve the problem for you? And I really started out in the business focusing on, you know, sort of an MVP product to use the tech term of basics that are just the most frustrating for us. The most frustrating for me, the most frustrating for you. You go to the hotel, your hands are dry. You go to put the lotion on and your knuckles are ashier. How, Sway? How are they putting more ash on your knuckles, right? And so we <laughs> need something for skin moisturizer, hair. Okay, I one of the biggest things, like I can keep putting protective styles in my head. And one of the things that I heard from a lot of women is, um, and I'm gonna answer that question. What is it? Bias rehab? I'm gonna ask, answer that question in a second. Um, but this idea of like women are actually wearing their hair in protective styles and not washing it and not keeping up with what would normally be their regular hygiene at home. And people will say, Oh no, but you know, you can go a while without, you're in a space that it is so difficult for you to be the human being that you were born as that you (laughs) change your hygiene just to make it easier is like crazy there should be things for you. And so that's where the shampoo, the co-wash and conditioner came in because what are the biggest challenges? Not only does the stuff in the hotel not work for us, sometimes, I mean, I've had had run-ins where my hair was messed up for days, for weeks after using shampoos that stripped it and it just wasn't healthy for it. And so there's that piece, but then there's also the, we use more, we buy more, we buy 9X because we use more. So anybody who has ever looked at the shampoo bottle and says use a dime size and then laughed and then went ahead and squirted all that in there, like, man, using a dime size for no conditioner. And so then it was about engineering products that last long. that You can get enough product that you need and it's convenient for you to travel with and actually works for us. And so those were really the big pain points. And then, you know, I have a basic hair balm, which is like you can't wash your hair without sealing it. So that's like you know a, a basic um, you know set, and then we have lip balm because nobody wants the crusty lips. Um, and it's just mm-hmm. it's just a, a pack of essentials. It truly is the essentials. This isn't the eye creams and the mists and the sprays. That stuff is gonna come, but really focusing in on those essentials that are the most polarizing and challenging and frustrating when we travel.
0: Thanks for that. And I know we did have that question that popped up, um, around Sephora and Ulta, um, and them, uh, letting a black owned products in their stores as retail retail is quote unquote going through another apocalypse. Uh, so what do you think, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts around that?
1: I here's what happens. (laughs) I'm gonna say this for the culture. And for those of you who are not in the culture, I, I still love you. But we have a tendency and particularly black women, to save the world <laughs> after everybody is like tanked everything then it's like, oh, OK, we'll let you come in and we, we come in and we clean up. And when you look at where dollars are going, who's spending the, the mainstream retail space has been blind to the black American dollar, period. Like every now and again, it's something here or there, but they—it's a stereotypical mindset about where we shop, how we shop, all of that. When was the last time you saw a Black-owned luxury beauty brand, right? Like, not—that's not a thing. Um, Mm -hmm. We don't have—we don't have those things in those spaces because those spaces don't cater us, and they go, "Well, you just buy whatever we have." Now that they're finding that their quote-unquote mainstream market is falling out, people are moving away from retail. They have to find where the strongest dollar is. You have to go after the strongest dollar you get one black person in a store they get you 9x what you get from anybody else that you get in the store we're more valuable at shelf. we're more valuable on the website we're more valuable and so when you're when you're looking for an efficiency play as a business as a business owner i have to do this what are the efficiency plays am i going to invest a ton of money into somebody who's going to give me Uh, a 10th of what I would get from this other person by just catering to them. And unfortunately for us, you know, I won't say that our bar is low. I think we are excited to begin to see more of our brands, more of our language, more of us reflected authentically rather than appropriated into these spaces. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, it's, it's not hard to do. It never was hard to do. So once they do it, the amount of effort that it really requires is, i would argue negligible um, and no it really is it's just about coming in with a a an honest sense of understanding who your customer is and your consumer is and and truly wanting to serve them not to take advantage of them that's the that's the cost of admission um, so when i look at ulta and i look at sephora I, and I see that retail, and there's there's a number of things in the works where these beauty brands, these beauty retailers are now looking at big box retailers and having partnerships. We've already mm-hmm. seen that with um, uh, JCPenney's, I think, has has Sephora in it. So there's, there's a lot of things that are changing on the retail landscape and how it works. But now, whenever you have something break, it's a great opportunity to start bringing in innovation. And unfortunately, innovation for beauty means looking at the people who actually buy you
0: wow yeah i think you uh you answered that question uh with a couple gems there uh appreciate the buyers rehab answering uh asking that question we had jordan chime in as well with the dime size and the soldier boy voice uh yeah nobody <laughs> myself included like you said I, I don't even know what a dom size portion of uh, shampoo or any hair conditioning product would actually do for me uh, yes. so like i said I just <laughs> yeah. I just you know <laughs> two handfuls and then yeah so I, I completely understand that and, and to you to to your point that you you close out with you said it several times that nine X right there this is a valuable dollar that we're talking about in terms of businesses putting their time and energy into it. Uh, mm-hmm. so expecting to see more of that and kind of having a real relationship and not feeling like we just have our little area over here. That's gonna be big moving forward. It's gonna be oh, big. Definitely. So, yeah. So, um, and this is, uh, you know, one of my, one of my last questions i want to ask you was around, uh, our partner, uh, Valorit. you touched on it. There's a lot of opportunities for companies. Um, uh, Brooke actually came up with this term. She said it one time, and I've been sticking with it, but it's around world domination, right? In 2021, we want world domination for the brands that we highlight. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, Like, what does that world domination look like you in 2021? And even if you have thoughts around what it looks like, you know, further out, but what does it look like for you to have a completely successful year where you feel like you hit all the metrics you need to um, moving forward? So, yeah, what does world domination look like for you, Orion? Um,
1: I think for 2021, it's it's keeping my name in your mouth. <laughs> so, the opposite of what other people are saying. Um, I think it's going to be about providing that awareness because we don't know what's going to happen in terms of people being able to be out of home. Right. So when we talk about like the the product itself and, and where it makes the most sense and all of that stuff and pivots and all of that, we don't know if we need to pivot, we don't need to pivot. It, we, there's no crystal ball for that. But it's like, if I get to the end of the year and we've got millions of earned media impressions, we've got thousands and thousands of people talking about us, you know, our following is continuing to grow. We're hitting, you know, that target of building a community 20, 25,000 engaged. Uh, black travelers is is where I'm trying to get to by the end of this year. Of uh, just folks that are engaged with us, that know who we are, that we're having great conversations with, that we're talking to them on live every Wednesday, and we're we're um, you know showing them on our stories every Tuesday, and and all of those things. If those things are happening, then we're definitely at a success point for 2021, especially given the volatility of the environment right now. That being said, world domination. Son, okay. one, it's being ready for the opportunity when it comes. So not to get biblical, but, you know, you got to have a vessel to like pour into. You got to have, you you know, Jesus kept the party going with the wine. Right. But he had to have empty vessels first to fill up. And so being ready when the opportunity does uh, present itself, is going to be a huge, huge win operationally um, for Black Travel Box? Because when it comes back and it will come back. We're going to want to be fly. We're going to want to be fly. We're going to want to be ourselves. We're gonna, And we have spent the last year inside getting real, real comfortable with who we are naturally. And so this idea of going out into the world and assimilating in certain types of ways that we typically do, and particularly as it relates to beauty and personal care, I think a lot of that is going to change. And I'm really excited to see us be at the epicenter of that. I think in the long term, Black Travel Box, I mean, we're going to do some dope stuff. There's going to be media. There's going to be extensions because ultimately this brand and this company is rooted in sort of the new Black travel movement tradition. And, and that's this idea of self-care and wellness. And there's just so many different places that we can go with that. Um, so I'm really excited to see how, how we can grow and, and all the places that it can go.
0: You guys heard it here first, uh, keep my name in your mouth and, uh, stay ready. So you don't have to get ready. Um, we will be definitely, uh, that will be on our reel for the end of 2021. Uh, so thanks for providing that for us Orion, because, uh, that's something we want to hear. Keep my name in your mouth. Like, like you said, that's the exact opposite of something that we would have said and that's right. But I think we all know, uh, Maybe social media has embedded some of this in us, but you know, um, the idea moving forward that people are talking about you and and you're in the you're in a certain light, like it shouldn't necessarily be put into a negative, um, you know, negative thought in your mind that oh, people are talking about me, oh, that must be bad. Like I don't want to be in the limelight. I think we all have you know, a way to whatever that limelight looks for us, whether it's people like you mentioned, your social media brand, having 25,000 customers, followers, the way that you interact with people, we got to really figure out how to really have people talking about us in the way that we want. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so I I appreciate you bringing that up because that's going to be social media ain't going nowhere. Even somebody like myself, uh, I don't like social media but guess what guys I understand it's not going away yeah. so but we all have to figure out you know uh how we can leverage it moving forward and and I'm in it, I'm excited your your plans for world domination you got some numbers in there I love it when people um you know bring up those 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 uh north star numbers which you're trying to chase um because we'll definitely make sure at the end of the year we check in and And we check to see how that world domination went. I think you had the pinky in your mouth when you were saying it, right? So (laughs) it's okay to it's okay to have that mindset. Yeah, it's okay (laughs) to have that mindset sometimes. Uh, oh, somebody put a hundred million (laughs) dollars.
1: Oh
0: yeah, hundred million. But uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, in closing, right? I always um I always want to throw it to my guests. Ron, you 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 dropped you dropped a lot of gems on us, um, I, but I just want to throw it to you in closing. Uh, first, you know, let people know how they can stay in touch with the brand. They can buy the product. I know you got some offers going on right now, um, but in closing, in addition to that, the second thing is, you know, um, you know, what do you want to leave people with as we as we wrap up the conversation um, and, and look to that world domination moving forward?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, so you know, you can find us. You can see it on the bottom of the screen there blacktravelbox.com that's where you can find us online you can also find us on social primarily on instagram at black travel box give us a follow share it with your friends um we've got some really dope stuff coming up that i can't quite talk about yet so make sure you get on our email list because you will be the first to know um but really really excited and i think that you know ultimately um When we look for support and connection with the community, it's all about the word of mouth. It's all about um, sharing with folks. I I get so many people that reach out and tell me like they see things like this. And this is the reason why, like when I say keep your name in my mouth, it's not about talk about me, talk about me, talk about me. I want to be here having conversations that are value added whether it be on the entrepreneurship side, whether that be on the consumer side, whether it be on the advocacy side, like a lot of what I end up talking about is the beauty industry is broken. We need to change it. The travel industry is broken. We need to change it. And those are important conversations to have. And when I get notes from people and they're like, you know, I'm so glad you see me <laughs> keep doing what you're doing. I can't wait till you come to such and such countries. Like, Oh, they're in Sweden, they're in the Netherlands, they're in China, wherever. Um, that's really dope. And so Find us. Keep engaged with us. We've got some really, really cool stuff coming up um, in the next few months. I'm I'm super excited. I'm exhausted, but I'm super excited.
0: <laughs> I love it. And then in terms of um, you know, just wrap wrapping up. Um, like, what would you want to you know leave people with that that final thought? Um, for them moving forward. Um, you know, as we look to to uh, get the ball rolling, right, that snowball effect in uh, 2021. Start with that small ball, let it roll down the hill, and by the end of the year, you got you got that big snowball. You can use to crush whatever you want when it comes to that world domination. So, what do you what do you want to leave that. people with?
1: I think that snowball is consistency and grace. It's both, right? Um, consistency. You. You. It's really hard to get results if you aren't doing things habitually, repetitively, and coming back every day and doing it, no matter. Whether you think it's going, like whether you feel good about it or not. Now, I'm not saying be dumb, but like, you know, there's days that you, when people want to go run, you know, marathons, there's days that you don't feel like getting up and running. You don't feel like getting up and doing drills. And it's like, you're not going to be able to run a marathon at the end of this unless you're consistent. And then I think it's the same with business and, and with goals. Um, but I would say on the flip side to that, that grace has to go hand in hand. Because just like you're training for that marathon, if you pull, you know, a a hammy or your your calf and you have pain, running on it anyway is only going to make it worse. So you have to really know when to take a step back and give yourself the rest that you need and give yourself a moment away to come back at it full force. Because it is a marathon, not a sprint. Sometimes it feels like it's a constant sprint. And even with that, sometimes it's necessary, but you still have to know when to give yourself grace to take a step back. Because at the end of the day, if you can't come in at 100%, the work isn't going to be 100%. And what you're trying to do isn't going to be 100%. And so that truly is the balance. When you when you have your hundred percent and it's available to you and and you're you're ready to go and you just don't you know emotionally feel like it, that's when you need to kick in on the consistency and just getting it done. When you're having situations where you can't bring your full self to it for whatever reason, and it could be emotional, it could be physical, whatever. Um, giving yourself that grace to take the step back will still continue to get you going in the right direction.
0: Thank you so much for that. Um... Great closing words. That's a mic drop moment, guys. So I'm not going to say much else. Uh, Besides, uh, thanks for tuning in uh, to the Beyond Normal podcast. And thanks to my guest, uh, Orion Brown, again, check out Black Travel Box. Uh, Like she said, we all are about to be traveling the world. We're going to be doing some great, amazing things uh, moving forward 2021 and beyond. So uh, thanks for tuning in to the Beyond Normal podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Beyond Normal podcast. We can be streamed across all major streaming platforms in addition to YouTube. Come back again.